You might say reality is a result of complex negotiations between the observer and the observed, but that is simply a point of view. Of Drive Back the Weeds, your perennial botanical podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mazzocco, and with me, as always, Ethan Green Thumbs, my street. Good to have you here again, Ethan. Good to be here. I'm looking forward to this episode. As am I. You know, Ethan, this week we're going to be discussing bonsai tree pruning do's and don'ts. Absolutely, Ryan, and I'm looking forward to it, because the life of the tree is in those branches. You know what certainly is, Ethan. You know what? This isn't working. Really? We gotta do something different. I, okay. I imagined this totally differently. I thought it was going to work. It's not. No. I don't want to confuse you, Ethan, but I need to reset things and go at this a whole totally different way. Can I stop this voice now? Please do. And we welcome you in to another episode of Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda Series podcast. I'm Ryan Mazzocco. And I'm Ethan Maestri. This week is episode number 56, Ethan. The Dark Backward. Absolutely. Whatever that means. We're going to figure that out, aren't we? I hope so. All right. Uh, hey, but before we get into major discussion of this, do you have anything for us? Any trivia or anything? I do have some trivia. Okay, well, you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's just get right into it. Seeing as how we already have wasted a few minutes. What are you talking about? This episode, written by Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stintz. These are our two favorite writers, aren't they? We seem to have the best discussions about these two, I think. About these two or about the, the episodes? About the episodes that they write. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, I find that we have our most interesting discussions. Let's see if that holds true for this episode. All right. I so, forget the writers, so okay. I'm going to just take your word for it. Okay, excellent. Yeah. You're keeping the tally over there. I am. All right. I am. Uh, it is directed by Michael Robison. And so we have seen his work before. Um, it Makes a Lovely Light was his premiere episode in the director's chair. And Home Fires... Home fries. I, got, I said fires. I got it right. I know. <laughs> I'm really disappointed in you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Um, but yes, he's he's previously directed those two episodes, and now we see him here for The Dark Backward. We're going to see him one more time uh, this season, and then he will be exiting the director's chair in the Andromeda series. Uh, the, the only guest role we have is Scourge, and he was played by Michael Roselli. It, this is an early credit in his IMDb list. He goes on to do Stargate SG-1, The Dead Zone, Stargate Continuum, and even has a spot on the currently, well, I say currently, the most recently running Arrow series from uh, WGN or CW, whatever station that is that it's on. I right. actually don't watch the show now, except on Netflix. 
He has uh, many stunt credits in film, including X-Men 2 and X-Men Last Stand, and also with Will Smith's with Will Smith in iRobot. And then finally, the last little bit of trivia I had is, of course, the bonsai tree. I figured it would be appropriate if it make a little appearance here, since it makes an appearance in our episode. Sure. It's a major character in this episode. It is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is literally the Japanese translation, uh, tray planting, is the literal translation of bonsai. It is a Japanese tradition that dates back over a thousand years, but the Japanese did not originate this tradition. It actually has its origins in Chinese culture. It is literally cultivating a tree in miniature in order to make it look like the full-size thing. That's that's the whole point of it. Hmm. So for the observer looking at it, they're contemplating the fact that it is a tree in miniature. And for the cultivator, it is they get to uh, clip it and shape it uh, to whatever they desire it to be. Okay. And that is the point of that particular hobby. Oh, okay. So, that's well, what I've got for trivia. That was some fascinating learning there. You know what? I once had an idea that we should do a uh, a, a botany podcast. Really? Yeah. Interesting. That, that would have been interesting, yeah. I think. I mean, you know, you can think it would have been. In another time, in another space. Maybe. Maybe we could have done that. Mm-hmm. Not here. Right. All right. So that's trivia. And we've done a little joking around. You you about ready to get serious so we can joke around some more? Yes. All right. (laughs) You have the summary this week, do you not? I do. All right. That is a load off of my mind. And I await listening to you give the summary. All right. Here it is. Short and sweet. The dark backward. We begin the episode with various tableaus of our Andromeda crew. All dead. With klaxons blaring and Andromeda announcing a core overload, Andromeda Ascendant explodes in space. The bright light of the explosion quickly morphs to become a soft light that Trance inhabits. A separate space, outside of reality, in which she decides that "Mm, that didn't work. Let's try something different. She clips a different branch on her quantum bonsai tree of destiny, and the sequence of time reverses itself and starts over anew. Andromeda exits Slipstream and is chased down by a mysterious entity. Once aboard, it begins tesseracting and sabotaging Andromeda's systems. Over several attempts, Trance watches how Dylan's and others' decisions play out for better or worse. In several versions, Harper dies and Trance is powerless to save him. In others, Becca falls victim. In still more, Dylan and Tyr are killed. Each clip branch brings another chance at a perfect outcome. But Trance knows she is running out of time to find that perfect outcome where they are able to beat the intruder and everyone comes through safely. In one reality, Dylan stumbles onto the revelation that the intruder cannot tesseract when they are in slipstream. Trance resets the tree and chases that possibility. Having Andromeda jump to slipstream as soon as the intruder boards, Dylan is able to defeat the scourge that has come aboard, but is nearly ejected out of the ship when Trance disobeying his orders to stay on command deck, saves Dylan at the last second. Once the ship and everyone aboard is safe, Trance reveals to Dylan that she can experience millions of realities in the time that it takes for Dylan to blink. Dylan asks the obvious question, If that is true, how do you know if any of this is real? Her answer? I don't. The end. Wow, Ethan, you weren't kidding. That was short and sweet, wasn't it? I didn't get bogged down in the details. 
Well, I think you hit all the high points. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll just start off with uh, maybe just echoing what uh, Dylan said, or perhaps Dylan was echoing what we were thinking um, when when Harper calls up that someone just mysteriously appeared before him there. Uh, Dylan's response is, and I quote, not again. I think that was appropriate, because after everything that we've just been through, right? Yes. Not again. Yes. Yeah. Um, I I had an observation too in that those opening scenes, where uh, Harper is facing down this scourge, whatever it is in the room. Um, it, love Harper to death, mm-hmm. but he has no concept of ship safety. Because when he starts firing, do you notice what he's firing at? What's immediately behind Scourge? The anti-proton rods. Which he's hitting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and what have we already learned about the anti-proton rods? They make ships go boom. Yes. So mm-hmm. if you hit them with a charged plasma shot or right. whatever it is, it's coming from that force lance. Uh, what's going to uh, potentially happen with those anti-proton rods? Uh, mission accomplished for our <laughs> monster, right? <laughs> exactly. Uh-huh. Yeah. So it seems a little dangerous. Um, I think maybe that was just his first try was I'm going to stand in front of these and get idiot to shoot at me. Right. The blast will just go right through me and they'll hit the anti-proton rods. Maybe that was a reality or maybe that was a possibility of a reality that we hadn't seen. So somehow they got around that before we ever got to this. Yeah. Cause I mean, like what? I mean, trance goes through millions of these, right? And I think we probably just saw the greatest hits. <laughs> Yeah, uh-huh. you know, they hit, they hit, or we hit the high points right. in this episode with them. Right. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Uh, you know, since you're talking about Harper in that scene, I'm just going to go ahead and run with that because I have a note here about uh, it happens the first time and it happens every single time our monster of the week appears right there in front of Harper. Uh, what's the first thing the monster does? It pulls the panel off, right? And every time Harper says, hey, hey, hey. I just got that fixed. Was the was the cover to that panel broken and he just got it fixed? Did, did he weld it on or did he use bolts or something? That that hole with the open wiring yeah. has been just exposed out there. Dylan's been on him for months to get oh. that covered up. All right. Yeah. And he just got and it he fixed. Ju- that's why he was in the room. Right. He just got it fixed. Right. I, I kind of want to know <laughs> how it's secured on there, though. That's the other thing. Because yeah. when he does pull it off... He doesn't just pull it off as if someone were pulling a metal panel off of some sort of a little box or something. When he pulled it off, it went boom. Yeah. Sparks? Were there sparks? Yeah. I want to think that it, there were sparks. There were, there were definitely sparks, and it was, it was, it was near, I say, explosive. Yes. Yeah. It was magnetically welded in place. I guess That's so. What it was. Yeah. yeah. It just seems like with a setup like that, whatever those uh very sensitive instruments are inside that panel, you could probably do you could probably do more damage to them by removing the cover. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh did I I got to ask you a question. All right. Did Scourge totally Darth Vader stop Force Lance bolts. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's that's all I yeah. got. So Scourge. Yeah. This is this is his name. That's yeah, that's that's what I'm calling him. Okay. I didn't know if you found that somewhere. Well it was on the it was on the wiki page too. Oh, okay. The uh 
Commonwealth Wiki page. All right. So that's why I'm using it. All right. <laughs> Give me just a minute. I'm going to write that down in my notes. Okay. As. All right. Now I have a name for our monster of the week. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Because we didn't get one otherwise. Right. Uh, you know what? I don't remember which iteration of the possibilities that it was, but there was a one point when um, Tyr is is going at it with Scourge, right? Excellent. Um, and they're they're watching this whole thing on the view screen, and Dylan's question to Tyr over the comms is, "What's going on down there?" <laughs> yeah, I want a Tyr to be like. Look at the screen. You're watching it right now. You know as much as I do right yeah, now. Yeah. Am, am I wrong on that? No, not okay. at all. All right. I mean, last week, you know, the ship was showing them exactly what they needed to see. Uh-huh. Panning. Right. Zooming. I, I don't I don't see what the problem was with Dylan understanding what was going on exactly mm-hmm. in that room directly in front of where Tyr was standing. Right. Right. Because there could have been at least three cameras showing him. Sure. And especially just because at the moment that Dylan asks him what's going on down there, he is literally seeing all of the action. Yes. Yeah. Hey, we got a season one callback. Do you remember our old fallen crewmate, Vexpeg? Yeah. We got a Vexpeg reference mm-hmm. for the win. Right. Yeah. Uh, Becca still chewed up, uh, still messed up over that just yeah. a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. You know, and, and in show, we never actually know what happens to Vexpeg. Mm-hmm. I know what happened to Vexpeg. You read a book. I read a book. Uh-huh. Exactly. Uh, do, do you want me to tell you? Do we want to talk about it? I don't know. I didn't read the book. Okay. Well, I'll just briefly just relate what it was. Right. Vexpeg was actually trying to fix something on the outside of the ship. And because the Eureka Maru is such a horrible death trap rust bucket on the outside, he cut his uh, flight suit or his uh, space suit on a jagged rusted piece of metal and he couldn't get it sealed up Wow! because the suit malfunctioned. Yeah. And he, he suffocated in space with uh, Becca listening to him suffocating. Mm-hmm. So that's why she's so traumatized by it. Right. Vexpeg for the win. Yeah. I just, I like the reference. You know what? Uh, that makes me think of something. Actually, it's pretty serious. Do you know why spacemen wear spacesuits because they can't breathe in space no why to cover their space underwear waka waka hey i have a question about tier okay did he get his gun back as a matter of fact it appears he did it appears that he did well he got he got a similar gun that's what i'm wanting to know like does he have a stockpile of that gun or can he easily Get it, them. It's I a mean, favorite weapon of his. So yeah, you want more than one copy because one another one could you know fall in lava or something or something. Just for example. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I think you're right. He did get it back. Okay. Or a similar or another similar. one. He got a replacement. Right. Yeah, a very good replacement. Because I don't think that one's coming back. The first one from Delinda S. Yeah. Oh no. Right. No that that thing's gone. Okay. It not only did it fall in lava, but then the planet vaporized after that. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't think you're getting that back. Well, you know what? It was a good gun. <laughs> so maybe when the planet blew up, Mobius Arms, yeah, makes the best, most resilient weapons. Yep. They pulled it out of the debris field. I mean, think about the advertising you could do with something like that. What you know, they have to be made. I of? mean. I don't know, but, you know... Coated with diamond or something. Timex got nothing on these guns. 
<laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh huh. That would be interesting. Yeah. There's a book that needs to be written. Where'd you get that gun? I picked it out of a debris field from an exploded planet. Yeah. It was the only thing that survived. <laughs> exactly. Uh, that and an, and for some reason, an egg cooker. Yeah. <laughs> or was it an egg timer? We still never figured that out, did we? Oh, it was a cooker. We was determined it? that. We, did yeah. we? Okay. You, All right. You could have made an egg timer. But it, it definitely but cooked it the definitely egg. Was, yeah, it definitely okay. cooked the egg. So. All right. Again, with Tyr, I want to ask you a question. Do you think that if Tyr had finished his sentence to the two security guards running with him into the room where Scourge was at... If you think he had finished this, his sentence, do you think it would have gone better for those two guards? Because I believe his sentence was something along the line of, uh, remember your fire control and, con- or remember your fire discipline and control your, that's all he got. And then they were dead. Hmm. I'm thinking it would have gone better for him had he started maybe a, a couple of hallways back and said, hey guys, listen to me for a second. Right. Remember to remember your fire discipline and control your uh, instincts or trigger fingers or something mm-hmm. like that. Right. Bladders. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. Uh-huh. Even better. So I think if he had been a little more cognizant of that yeah. earlier right. and gotten all of that out, I think they might have lived. Right. Or maybe he just wanted to get him out of the way. It's a possibility. He, he took them in there ill-equipped because... I don't know. He handled uh, clearing the room later on. Very cordially. Yeah, and I kind of wonder why. Maybe maybe that's a, discuss, a, a discussion for later. I uh, I didn't write it down, but it, but I did. That thought did cross my mind. It's like, why is Tira now all of a sudden concerned with someone else's well being? Yeah, you know, especially this guy who. You know what? This leads right into my next observation. Okay, excellent. A guy who is so unimportant that they don't even let us see his face. <laughs> no, we we kind of did. Well, we from we saw shot. from the bridge of his nose up. Oh right. <laughs> yeah. Why why are these high guard security wearing these half masks? What's going on? Are they robbing a bank? I know they are do they... have kind of a thuggish look yeah. about them. Is that the idea? They want to have a thuggish look? I maybe they're maybe they're um what do they call that? Telegraphing something to us. Okay. With that very dark militaristic look like that. Mm-hmm. That or somebody had just come in from ATV riding in British Columbia and said, hey, you know what would look good on this show? My little ATV mask that I wear <laughs> when I go out dirt biking. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think that's probably the design the design decision that came into play there. Okay. Uh, sweet Logitech joysticks there on command deck. Did you notice that? <laughs> no. Because uh-uh. I did. Yeah. I did. When uh, Trance and Dylan are, are standing there at the uh, the the joystick console yeah whatever you want to call it the where, where they do the slip straight slipstream oh jumping. yeah uh-huh the pilot's station sure yeah there's two really nice uh i forget the exact name of them uh we're talking early 2000s so i'm almost positive it was logitech but yeah they they would have gone really well with my uh space simulator computer that i had about that same time oh yeah yeah i think so nice yeah Hey, speaking of future tech compared to today's tech, do you like to watch uh, medical dramas, medical shows of any kind? I I have I have gotten involved in some in mm-hmm. times past, 
and I, I've never actually completed one. It was a setup. The answer to the question is not really important. <laughs> so, so basically, you know, you watch these medical shows, and they're in these high pressure situations in the OR, and there's a lot of medical jargon going on, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of uh, medical tools being used, right? Yes. And so they have to have. They have to have, like, medical correspondence and things to go over this stuff with the writers and make sure that they're using the terminology right, make sure they're using the tools correctly. Yes. This is the great thing about making a show that is thousands of years in the future. You can make up your own journey. You don't have to worry about any of that. Nope. <laughs> it's like, well, here's these two um, ballpoint pins. I'm going to put them in front of the chest. Here we go. What are you doing? It's a medical thing. Yes. Yeah. Now I'm going to turn it on its side and drag it down the length of his body. Right. Because I just yeah. did a medical thing. Exactly. Yeah. Now I'm going to circle it around the top of his head. And he died. <laughs> Inexplicably. Yeah. I don't understand how. I don't know. Yeah. But it sure, it makes medical writing a lot easier when you don't have to worry about things like accuracy and yeah. facts. That's a good point. Yeah. I like that point. All right, Ethan, so now that we've had our fun, we joked around. Oh, we're done? And then we got serious. Right. And then we joked around again. Okay. So now it's time to get serious again. And joke a little bit. No. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, if there's an appropriate joke that just kind of falls in there, that's fine. I never know when a joke's appropriate or not, so. No. No, me neither. We're going to wing it. (laughs) Yep. Here we go. Let's talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that happened in this show. Um, Was there anything that struck your struck a chord with you that you really want to talk about now? Uh, actually, yes. Okay. Uh, the first thing that I wrote down here is something actually, I, I love I love the technical jar- jargon, right? That's that's the thing that I always appreciate about any sci-fi that I mm-hmm. watch. Yeah. And we got a little bit more in this particular episode. They they kind of, I, I feel like, they it, it definitely wasn't explained, so I'm inferring all of this. But we had Dylan mention a couple of times the exotic matter pulsar. And I'm thinking that when you take an exotic exotic matter pulsar, say that three times, Mm -hmm. and then add in your antiproton rods, then that is the thing combined that gives you the ability to slipstream. Hmm. Because it figured prominently in the slipstream core. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, this is this is. I'm not writing a technical journal, but I'm I'm just I'm trying to connect dots here. Okay, and I think we got a little bit more understanding of how a slipstream drive works, or at least the names of the parts that are involved. Exactly. Okay. Uh, Ask me to point to them on a diagram, mm-hmm. and I'm no help at all. Right. But I at least know what they're called. Okay. Because we don't have. An Andromeda technical manual, do we? No, we certainly don't. That would be helpful. It would be helpful. For a show like this. Yeah. Yeah, it would be helpful, but mm-hmm. we, we don't have that. So we're left to just kind of work this out ourselves. Okay. But I think I think exotic, exotic matter pulsar. Why is that so hard to say? I don't know. I don't know. Exotic matter pulsar plus antiproton rods. You get a reaction. You, you're, you're, you, you pulse the matter and the protons. And then your ship goes into slipstream. You pulse the matter or the antimatter? Do we have antimatter or just antiprotons? No, 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 no. just antiprotons. Not... We haven't talked about antimatter in the show at all. But if you have antiprotons, do you not assume that they have access to antimatter? No, it's two different things, Ryan. No, they got to get the (laughs) antiprotons out of the antimatter. 
The protons are a component of the molecules that make the antimatter. They split the anti-atoms. And get anti-protons. Right. Right. And then you make rods out of when it. You split anti, when you split anti-atoms, it turns energy into matter. And let me tell you a story about my anti-atoms. Okay. <laughs> she was a wonderful lady. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm kidding. See? There's an appropriate joke. Uh, no time. Okay. Okay. But anyway, I thought that was an interesting little technical jargon there. I mm-hmm. just wanted to bring it up. Okay. I, I, I heard it, and it made me take notice. All right. So, um, this could possibly be touched on again later in some character discussion. Um, but I want to talk a little bit about the bonsai tree. Okay. Okay. Um, as far as we're talking about the technology used in this episode, the technology of the bonsai tree. So... Wait, wait. How did I refer to it? You mean the quantum bonsai tree of destiny? Yes. Okay. Yes, that's the one. Okay. Um, so here's what I want to know is this whole thing with trance this is this is stuff beyond our comprehension right this is moments within a moment right and when i say stuff beyond our comprehension i don't mean just you and me because we're too dumb to get what they wrote in a tv show i think we get that but i mean as mortal humans this is just stuff that's beyond us right Whatever it is that Trance is trying to explain to Dylan at the end, it's just, it's it's too much. It's, yeah, we, okay? we have no concept. Right. So, is what Trance is doing here with the bonsai tree, is that to be taken literal, or is that to be taken literally, or is that just something that is dumbed down in a, in a version that we as consumers can watch? Yeah. And, and understand. No, that's that's great that you bring this up, because I had that thought in mm-hmm. several watchings of this episode. Uh, I feel very much like it is a it's a representation. Mm-hmm. It is it is a an idea that the TV writers are 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 putting in front of us, something that we can we can comprehend. Mm-hmm. But that's not what's actually happening. It's it's a metaphor. That's the word I'm looking for. Okay. It's a metaphor for what she's actually doing. All right. So I'm glad that you used that word because that's what I have written down here. Well, why'd you let me hang on it for five seconds here trying to figure it out? I don't know. It's five seconds. We got to fill time. You had fun. Right. <laughs> okay. Um, so what I have written down here is... <laughs> Trust me. No, no, no. So, okay. So what I have written down here is the tree. Necessary or simply metaphorical? Um, and I'm asking that legitimately. Is the tree something that is necessary? If First of all, is it real? If we say no, it's not real, then the next part of the question is just gone. Okay, this is just something that is giving us a visual concept of what Trance is doing in this little alternate sub-universe, whatever it is. Her that time bubble. Yeah, whatever yeah. it is that she's being able to do this. Yeah. All right, so, but now, let's go ahead and let's play with this. Let's pretend like this tree actually is real. Okay. Okay. In a very early episode, and I don't remember which one, um, Trance was very concerned because all of her belongings were still on the Maru. She was concerned about her plants. Yes, she was. And not just concerned as in like, hey, be careful with those. And can we take a moment to remember Purple Trance? 
Oh, yeah. Anyway, go ahead. So, and it wasn't just a matter of, you know, hey, be careful with those because they're they're mine and I've taken a long time taking care of them. Yeah. I put a lot of work into that. There seemed to be some real earnestness to, hey, those are very important. You don't want to mess with those because all of time and space is tied up in those plants right there. Yeah. That's not what she said, but just the whole delivery and the concern over those plants. Um, it was just something that stuck with me for a long time. I remembered that. And when I see her cutting on this tree and it affecting everything, it does lead me to wonder, is it these actual literal plants that are this important to her? Or is Trance simply using these plants as a visual aid for herself? The same way that we projected that that trance or, the, or that the show is using trance in this tree in a way to speak to us, could it also be that trance is using these trees to understand this universe that is quite possibly even beyond her? Hmm, that's an interesting thought. Not one that I had. I I really I've forgotten about the whole her and her little arboretum. Mm-hmm. And and the trimming and pruning of the of the trees and the plants that she had there. That's a good point. Right. I still think it's metaphorical. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, and I don't I don't really know that there is an answer. Okay. At, at least this episode hasn't given us an answer. I don't think. Right. Um. Right. I mean, part of it too is that she she makes part of it grow back. Yeah. Uh, can she do that with the real physical? trees that are in her arboretum can she just make things grow back well obviously she she within herself has the ability to make herself come back to life yeah so with that kind of power don't you feel like you would have if you've learned that couldn't you imbue that at least on something as simple as a plant not to say that plants are simple but don't want to offend any plants here but something uh unanimated it stands to reason that she could have the the power to restore it as well. Right. I'd like to see you try to convert sunlight and carbon dioxide into energy. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, like I said, I didn't mean to offend any plants. They just don't move like we do. Mm-hmm. Oh, so that's that's what intelligence is. If you can move, you're intelligent. Am I being carbon chauvinist? No, because they're carbon too. Yeah, they are. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Um, am I being... Uh, an- what do you mean, they? <laughs> wow. I cannot dig myself out of this hole, can I? All right. You know what? Let's and just- frankly, I don't care. Okay. <laughs> I'm a plant bigot. <laughs> All right. You know what? Let's just... Let's reset that. That never happened. That right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, what? What? Um, what I was saying was... Um, she, yeah, she can't... She can't take... Trance grows limbs back on this tree that she's already lopped off in this strange place that she's in, that she occupies during these times. Um, But yeah, my my original question was, can she do that in real life? You say that you think she probably can. It's a possibility, yeah. She can't grow her own tail back. I think that's a choice. That's a choice? Yeah. Yeah, to I th- not have I, a tail. Yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think. I don't know, man. She she's capable of virtually anything. Well, what? <laughs> you think it's a choice. <laughs> You're either born with a tail or you're born without one. <laughs> um, but, uh, I mean, if if she can make the plant grow back, and that's not even a part of her, but she has the power to make it grow back, why can't she make her tail grow back if she wants to? I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like... All right, all right here's the thing. Think about this for a second. Maybe she does have that ability, but she didn't learn she had that ability until after she had become Gold Trance. And by then... She's like, wow, sitting down is so much easier now. Exactly. Okay. And I can rock these leather tights without right. cutting holes in them. Yeah. So, as Purple Trance, she was too young to understand that she had that ability. Okay. All right. Can we go with that? Sure. Okay. But why did why did Purple Trance have all these plants already? She was learning. Okay. She's learning how to manipulate time and quantum realms and all of this stuff yeah that was part of her training all right i will accept that okay stumbled into that one yeah (laughs) okay so do do we have anything else to talk about with trance i i do have i do have an observation about trance in this episode specifically okay and i just want to i just want to say it uh this is trances trances or trance would it be trance apostrophe? Trance apostrophe, right? Uh-huh. This would be trance. Is I can't not do it. <laughs> this is her Kobayashi Maru scenario. Yeah, I, I mean to. Yeah, I'm not saying the word, mm-hmm. uh, the name, but yeah, this is this is uh, this is very much a Kobayashi Maru Kobayashi Maru situation for her, right? Which, so what does she do? It, she goes into she, out. She goes outside of reality. She reprograms the parameters of the test. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. And that and that's kind of my point. And and I wanted to bring attention to that line too. All I have is reality, and it's never perfect. Well, no. Apparently, you can go outside of reality, reshape it, uh, and you know, get a do over. That's not reality, though. Well, yeah, but those are just those are trials. None of it actually matters. You can do it, all of those things. Yeah, it's it's quantum strings. I, I get that. But when you can back it up and go down a different path, you're outside of reality. Is that what she's doing, though? Is she actually living through the experiences in reality, and then when it doesn't work the way she wants, she just goes back in time and starts it over? I think that's exactly what she's doing. I mean, she look, really? at, look at her face in the situation as each... Each time she resets it, yeah. she's standing there, and she's just watching. Yeah. She's learning. Yeah. And then when it hits a point where, okay, I don't like this, or I can't accept this loss, or whatever it is, snip, 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 back it up, and then she goes down another tangent. Okay. And then she tries to exert what what influence she thinks she can exert to make the situation better, that's when she speaks up. Okay. Um, I'm not saying you're wrong. But what I thought was happening was she is experiencing possibilities, not necessarily experiencing other realities. Possibilities are not necessarily realities. What she said is that she can't distinguish between the two when she's in the moment, right? I'm I'm just not I'm not saying you're wrong, but I'm also saying I'm not convinced that what is she what she is actually experiencing when she goes through all these different possibilities are things that are really happening. 
I think that they're all things that she is able to um, project forward into the future and see things as if, what if we went this way? What would happen? Not necessarily, um, here's a thing that we're going to try. If it doesn't work, I'm just going to hit rewind and try again. I think what she's doing is that whole time when she's there snipping on the tree, she has actually paused time for herself. She has paused herself midstream in time. And now she's exploring which way does she want to go from here now. Mm -hmm. So none of those things that she did actually happened. And then she just rewound. Because if that's the case, then what she could have done, she would never would have needed to go back and trade places with Purple Trance and Ouroboros. Whatever that situation was, which we find out later is the pocket universe monsters. So I'm heavy on the monsters tonight. I don't know <laughs> you why. kind of are. I don't know. They're, anyway. Monsters be everywhere. So Move she... On. No time. No. <laughs> so, I, I mean, if that's what she's doing, then she could have just continued to rewind. Right. When things went wrong that time. Um, maybe she maybe she ran out of, of tries. And so okay. when she when she traded places with Purple Trance, now she gets she has the experience of all of the failed tries that she had the first time around, as well as her millions of possibilities of tries this time around. I mean it doesn't it's clear that it's not unlimited. Right. And, and you you bring up a good point okay. because it is a it is a fleeting nanosecond of time in which she's exploring those different pathways, mm-hmm. and then she continues on down mm-hmm. whatever time is right in in whatever it, that makes sense, except for the question that Dylan asks her at the end of the episode. Yeah, how do you know this is real? Well, she should be able to respond uh, because. This is real. We're talking here. Yeah. She should, if she's capable of pausing in time and then letting herself explore the different possibilities, that's a state of consciousness for her. Yeah. That That is part of a reality that she deals with. And so when time flows forward and she has a conversation like what she does with Dylan in which she reveals I live in these moments of time in where I explore millions of possibilities in the time that it takes for you, for you to blink just now she should understand that that's reality right yeah and and I'm I'm a little thrown by that too about why she said that and okay. I don't I don't know if it's just simply because maybe she doesn't understand the reality of this power or this ability that she has. Um, When she is in all of these moments, it's just as real to her as real life is. The same way when you're dreaming. How often do you, in a dream, recognize that none of this is real? I can count on maybe one hand the number of times that I have in a dream said to myself, you know what? This is a dream. Yeah. You know? Um... It, it it just doesn't happen very often. So maybe when she is in these moments, she has she is so immersed in it that she cannot tell the difference between this possibility, like dream state, 
versus what's actually real. Yeah. Until these certain things that happen that sort of trigger it. Well, yeah, I was about to say, she has a very visceral, visceral reaction to moments like when Harper dies right. over and over and over. She screams. Yeah. So, obviously, emotion, it's a possibility. Yeah, you're right. Emotion could cloud her ability to separate the fiction from the reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. That kind of makes sense to me. Okay. Um, and the other thing, the other reason that I, I think that she is just simply projecting forward into the future and not actually experiencing these things through all of these different, not necessarily following all these different quantum strings into reality and then picking which one she wants to follow, because that also doesn't really make sense to me, because if she's doing that, then she's not really affecting anything. She's just seeing all the different roads that she could travel yeah. and then picking one that seems to work out the best. Yeah, which she kind of does because Dylan gives her the clues and she starts making her decisions based on what Dylan has kind of contributed to her in the other possibilities. Yeah. Yeah. But if you if you say that, that what she's... I mean, you have all of these different streams of possibilities within the idea of the quantum mechanics, right? Yeah. Well, then what she's doing is, is she's saying for all of these people that is in this place on this quantum stream, all of these people that I love and have grown, drawn close to, if things don't work out well in this stream, then I'm going to jump to another stream. I'm abandoning all of them. And I'm going to a place where it works out better for them. Yeah. And for me. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of another reason why I think that she's, none of these things that she's experienced, they are not real in okay. any real true sense of the word, whether it's quantum mechanics, alternate timelines, alternate realities, um, parallel universe. If that's, if that's what it is, then she's really not changing anything. Right, right. No, I, I, I appreciate your explanation and you've kind of swayed me toward your your thinking on that really yeah wow because because you're absolutely right when i was watching this the first time or two that i watched it it was kind of hard for me to think about the fact that well she's pulling strings right mm-hmm. because if she is able to as you say jump to one abandon um, abandon another in favor of something better for her or for someone else that's a that's a power that that's a supreme power, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and one that I don't necessarily want to attribute to my lovable trance. Yeah. So, yeah, I like your explanation. Okay. I do, too, because if not for that, then all of those times, all of those people really died. Yeah. It's Let's, just that we're not going to follow that story anymore. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't like this. I don't like this. Let's <laughs> right. change the rules. Yeah, no, I, I get it. I get it. Except people did die in the ultimately the reality that played out. Well, I mean, no one that we could see their faces. Okay. <laughs> she didn't seem as tore up about that, though, that people got killed in the Slipstream core there at the end. Yeah, right. But anyway. Well, we didn't I, know their names. Okay. Mm-hmm. You keep bringing that up. As if that is important. If you don't know someone's name, then are they really that important? Darn you, you're right again. I know it. I'm sorry. That's yeah, why I, That's I'm why I try to not learn people's names. Okay. Ever. I, I, makes sense. Right. Makes sense. And if I do get too close to somebody, then I pretend like I don't know their name. Yeah. That way, you know, just kind of throw them off. 
Anyway. Hey, can I bring up one other thing yes, that Trant said? Please, go ahead, Robert. So, Becca is the one, according to something that Trant said. Um, apparently. The one to keep Scourge from tesseracting by going into slip space, by piloting the ship. Or it, was she talking about something totally unrelated and different? Prophetic, even. I don't know. Maybe maybe there are going to be two fulfillments to this prophecy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's so vague and... Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> well, you have the... So, okay, hold, hold on. She said, does he know he's, she's the one? Now... Do I need to put a pin in that and remember that in later episodes? I don't remember. <sighs> uh, as far as that specifically, I don't know. You are useless. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I guess you're just going to have to watch like the rest of us. I guess so. Yeah. I guess so. Okay. Uh, I mean, All there right. are some things that I know that... But, I mean, legitimately, that's what I... When she says, does he know she's the one? Is it the one to to help them? Well, because if she knew that at that point, then why did she have to wait for Dylan to let her know going into slipstream was going to prevent Scourge from tesseracting. I think there's something yeah. else at work Yeah, there. you're right. She didn't know that at that time. You're right. Mm-hmm. So she's referring to something else grander and unrelated to the situation that's It sure seems that way. And, okay. then, and then even in the delivery of it, um, yeah. it was something that, yeah, it definitely caught my attention. Okay. The one what? Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'm putting a pin in that. Okay. Okay. Hey, you ready to talk about Scourge a little bit? Who? Oh, the monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, the monster of the uh-huh. week. Yes. Yeah, so let's talk about Scourge a little bit here. All right. Um, so after watching this episode and taking some notes and doing some thinking about it, um, I needed to take an ibuprofen because my brain hurt. Right. And it still hurts. Yeah. Okay. And this is what's great about timey-wimey stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Isn't this why we love it? Yes. Is because it's it makes such good stories that don't make any sense. But you're still like, wow. Yeah, right? <laughs> and it's like, okay, now I get it. It's starting to make sense. And then you think about, oh, how things really work. And then, oh, wait, that doesn't make sense. Nope, I'm broke Now again. I need another ibuprofen. Exactly, mm-hmm. yeah. Armor that's tens of thousands of years old. And yet... It's moving backward through time. Mm-hmm. How does this work? How does this possibly work? I, you know what? I mean, it, you alluded to it earlier to the other show that we sometimes talk about. Right. Are right. we not saying the name uh, legitimately? I don't know. I mean, we've talked about it so often. Yeah, I don't know. What, I don't know what's why the problem tonight? That. I don't know. It's because you made a point of saying, I didn't say it. Okay. Right? All okay. Right, yeah. But uh, all good things. The series finale of oh, Star Trek. Oh, I thought Trek. you were talking about Doctor Who. No, no, no. You said it. <laughs> did I? You did say Star Trek. Yeah, I know. Okay. Star Trek, the next generation. Yeah. Season or series finale. All good things. Yeah. That's the whole premise. Is that Moving sometimes things move backwards through time. Yeah. And that's the lesson that Q was trying to teach Picard. Right. Okay. Except that when they brought it up there, it was less mind-bending than what little bit we get here. Right. It's... Purpose- we're talking about a space anomaly. Yeah. And now we're talking about a sentient being. Moving backward through time. Right. That is 
for some reason, malicious. Yeah. <laughs> right? And you know what? Pause, because I want to say, again, we have another monster who is attacking with no discernible motive. I, I want to bring this up right here. Okay. Because this seems like a good time to drop this in. All right. I saved this and did not put it in trivia so that I could talk about it right here with our character Scourge. All right. In the original story that was put forth for this episode, yeah. it was written that Scourge, this in, this alien, the monster of the week, was sent by the Spirit of the Abyss to retrieve pieces of the engine of creation off of Andromeda. However, Tribune intervened, demanding fewer story arcs, and forced the removal of this these details and the inclusion of Spirit of the Abyss yet again into the story. Uh, removed have them, had them remove that connection. Now I put it to you: Had that been the premise for the monster being there, and had that been fleshed out, how much better would this episode and this character have been? Like a thousand times better. Yes, because two reasons. I, first of all, thank you because I had no idea about any of that. Um, because right now it does feel like we have completely forgotten about the Magog and the Spirit of the Abyss, other than in last week's episode when they mentioned the Magog. Yeah. That just appeared <laughs> for a few minutes and then disappeared. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, we really haven't had any connection to any of that story arc. Or any reference to Engine of Creation bits. Yeah, exactly. And that was one of the things that I was really upset about in the first season was that it seemed like we had it seemed like we had all of these little pieces of this story that were they were going to put together and then they just dropped them all. And so you know, the engine and the engine of creation, that's one of those things because at the end of that episode, that leaves you thinking, wow, what is this going to be? Mm -hmm. This is going to be massive for this story. Not only does it sound awesome, but it could potentially be awesome. Right. It it lit up at the end <laughs> when no one was around. Exactly. It spontaneously lights up. The camera zooms right in on it. And it basically telling all of us, hey. Remember this. Yes. As Richard Dreyfus would say, this is important. <laughs> right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. And then never to be heard of again. Right. You know, at first when you told me that when you just now said that, I was thinking, well, hey, that is really interesting. And now I'm talking about it. I'm starting to get angry. Okay. Yes. Because when I read that, mm -hmm. after having seen the episode a time or two, and then coming up with with the trivia, I was like, I feel cheated. Mm -hmm. I feel cheated. That This was the writers getting it right. If if this was the idea, and I, I would like to mention, I, I did reach out through our Twitter account to Ashley Edward Miller and Zach Stintz. Uh, to give them an opportunity to kind of talk about this a little bit. Uh, as of the recording of this show, I have not yet heard back from them. But if this was the case, if this was their intent, and Tribune uh, overrode this and said, take it out, we, we don't want so many story arcs, leave it episodic, uh, they, Tribune made a horrible decision. Because if you'd have had these elements in this story it would have made so much sense and it would have been so much more enjoyable to watch this. Mm -hmm. I agree. But that's not what we got. No. 
uh, I guess, real quick, a couple things about some of our crew here. Um, a lot of attitudes. Some good, some bad. Mostly bad. Actually, all bad. So, <clears throat> first of all, Tyr. You mentioned before about, you know, talking with his, his henchmen there, right? Yeah. And then... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Huh? They're, they're commonwealth, not henchmen. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can't <laughs> see their faces. So, okay. You know what they, they reminded me of? They looked like the... Uh, uh, Insane clown, clown posse? Oh, maybe. Without the makeup. The I was thinking the foot soldiers from Ninja Turtles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, anyway, we have Tyr... With this whole thing. And then on one of these possibilities, and Trance says, you know what, why don't we just leave it alone and kind of see what happens? Tyr is, steps right up, and he says, you know what, that's actually a really good idea. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, who is this guy? Yeah. <laughs> when did Tyr all of a sudden decide he wanted to just step back and let someone overtake his ship? Right. Like, if anyone's going to take over that ship, it's going to be Tyr. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's his playground. Right. So that bugged me a little bit. Is Why is, why is Tyr all of a sudden so willing to just sit on the sidelines and let something happen? Yeah. It, it seemed a little bit... No, it seemed a lot of it out of character for Tyr. And it wasn't really Tyr through this whole episode. It was just on that one particular playback of this loop. Okay. He seemed... A lot more passive yeah. than he should be. I kind of wonder why that is. Um, any thought at all before I move on? Well, that brings us back around to the, is she going down different quantum strings? Or is she playing out possibilities? Because well, if she's going down quantum strings, then that's a different tier. So he would, of course, behave differently. Yeah, but we already established that that's not what's happening. Okay. I'm just throwing that out yeah. there, though. But that. <laughs> yeah. We've had episodes that were as confusing as that or worse. Okay. <laughs> so I'm saying it's not beyond the possibility that they could have written it that way, not having a full grasp of what exactly it was Trance was doing. Yeah. I mean, honestly, we're working this out between the two of us, mm-hmm. right? We're, we're making our own headcanon about what this episode teaches us. Mm hmm. I'm, I'm just saying the writers could have seen it differently. Okay. All right. Um, but that's all I've got. That's all I've got as a, as a possible explanation. Okay. All right. I will accept that as a possible explanation, reject it as the correct answer. And substitute your own reality. I yes. Get it, yeah. Um, so the other thing I want to talk about real quick is just the crew in general. It seems like, especially at the very beginning. Wait, what crew? Because we had two guards no, and a guy in the um, no, in the slipstream chamber. Not any extras. Oh, you're Our talking about the crew. crew. Yeah, okay, the ones okay. that we know their names <laughs> right. and faces. The ones we care about. Right. The yes. ones that we have actually seen okay. on the ship. Yeah. So uh, it just seems like there's a lot of overconfidence going on here, especially at the very beginning when this entity that they see first shows up on their radar as a little blip. And they're just all very, hey, here's this thing that just showed up out of nowhere. It's heading directly for us. Basically, yeah, on on what they see as a, basically on a suicide collision course. Yeah. Which honestly, did you see that display? 
it looked like it was heading kind of a different direction. <laughs> well, you know, because space, you know, there's curvature. Look at a map. There's okay. no straight lines. Yeah. Okay. You know. Right. I mean, and I will concede. All right. <laughs> you know, s- space is flat. The Earth is not. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Um. So. Oh yeah. So it just. The thing that bugged me about this was it just seemed like all of our crew was just very, well, overconfident. They didn't see this blip on their radar as really any kind of a threat. Well, it's only three meters long. Well, yeah, but they have no idea. It's, it's, It's going fast. It's matching them speed for speed, course for course, right? And even then, it doesn't really get their attention. All it does is just make Tier or uh, Dylan order fire missile tubes at it, right? Yeah. And his, can we talk about that for a second? Okay. The tube that he's coming in on is three meters long. That's like nine feet. Uh, Scourge is like seven feet tall. So he's occupying seven feet of it. There's only two feet left for an engine that's driving it at what? 15 PSL, whatever it was, mm-hmm. some insanely fast speed. That's some pretty freaky technology. I just wanted to bring that up right there. Well, it is, but it's probably perfectly normal technology from the future from which he came. Right, traveling back. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. And my head hurts again. Because... <laughs> I got up here ibuprofen. I know. You know what? That's weird. I had, like, so much more to talk about on that, too, and we just... Totally blew through it. My head was hurting. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but anyway, just, yeah, just the overconfidence uh, the confidence and the just the hubris of, of Dylan is just like, hey, it's being rude, so let's shoot at it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No respect for the fact that this thing is coming at them at such a high rate of velocity and such precision. Yeah. At no time does it get their attention to say, hey, maybe we should consider seriously what this thing is. Do you remember in the first season how everybody made fun of Dylan for being so militaristic and disciplined? Yeah. Especially on the command command deck? Yeah. Well, Dylan has totally thrown that out the window now. Yeah. I mean, they gave more attention to the teaching at manners and then Rami joking about, you know, being mannerly. You know? Right. And that's just, yeah, you can see the difference in, mm-hmm. in the, the crew's decorum. Right. And then it's interesting because I started to, I actually wrote down in my notes and then I later crossed it out because it seemed like uh, through some of the other possibilities that Trance was exploring, it was like they were starting to show a little bit more respect to it. Um, and then what I started to realize was by the end of it, once they, we actually have our actual final real reality... They're still using the same dialogue. Yeah. They're still using the same original shots. Yeah. And they had been the whole time. It was just the editing where they cut out all the clever little <laughs> yeah. sarcastic quips and everything. Yeah. Okay. So what you get in all of those is it seems much more formal and direct and let's deal with the problem without all of the snarkiness. Yeah. Which was still there. They just cut it out in editing edited. this yeah. time. Yeah. So I was actually disappointed in that on one hand because I thought, okay, maybe they're actually learning something through all of this to show this thing some respect. Mm-hmm. But then I started to think, 
why would they be doing that? Because this is the first time this has happened for any of them. They can't be learning from this. Right. Yeah, this is Trant seeing the possibility. Yeah. So then by the end of it, they still have the same snarkiness and disrespect that they did at the beginning. Yes. Um, All of that to say, I don't really like this about the crew right now. If this is the way they deal with these unidentified things that they find out there, just to be automatically dismissive and disrespectful. That's basically Commonwealth reasoning, though, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But Dylan, isn't that how the Commonwealth is handling things in the galaxy right yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, you're so, right. Yeah, but Dylan's not Commonwealth. Dylan is Commonwealth. Yeah, yeah. So there, there you have it. Yeah, I hear you. Okay, I hear you. But I'd like to hear a quote. All right, I got a quote. Okay, you might say reality is the result of complex negotiations between the observer and the observed. But that is simply a point of view. And that is from uh, Michio von Kerr from the Apothesis of Reason, Commonwealth Year 11542. Now, uh, I like this quote as far as, as the impact that it has on, or on what it says about this episode specifically. Reality is the result of complex negotiations between observer and observed. Mm-hmm. And so looking at it broadly, we got all of it. We have the observer, which I think is Scourge in this instance. And we have the observed, which is our crew. Or are we the observer? And we're observing the complex negotiations between Scourge and the crew. I think it depends on your point of view. Because from Trance's point of view, Scourge is the observed as well as the crew. From our point of view, trance is the observed. Ooh, yes, you're right. That's a good point. I like that. Incisive. <laughs> yeah. No, I like it. Okay. It's, it's a good quote. I don't. I don't I'm not going to hurt myself trying to tease out any any more than that, though. Right. Okay. Well, I mean, I'm done hurting myself trying to think <laughs> about things because you know, still the whole scourge moving backwards through time. Yeah. Ow! You know, ow! Ow! I ow, know. Ow, I know. Ah. Right. So, how would they read? Don't his, look. No. Yeah, his armor being that old <laughs> when it really probably hasn't when it even, just arrived at that yeah, point in time, right? So, oh, uh, ice cream headache. I know, I know. It's it, it's a fine line I'm walking right now because I, I, I really want to talk about it, but we're so far past it, and I just don't. So anyway, uh, the quote. So there were two things that uh, this made me think of here. So one of them being um, a quote that you may have heard before. I'm sure you have. I have. But I also just recently heard it again. Um, Napoleon said, history is a collection of lies agreed agreed upon. I like that quote. Okay. Yeah. So history, or in Scourge's case, the future, which is history, because to him, his past is our future. Yes. And also, you know, for us and everything that Trance is seeing, it's all just, it's a negotiation, right? Yeah. Because she's negotiating with herself of which path do I want to take here? And which path do I want to lead all of these people on? And it, 
it kind of goes back to what I was saying when I was talking about your your take on this was just being that it, it depends on whose point of view you're yeah. looking at this from. Are you looking at it from the point of view of trance? Are you looking at it from the point of view of the watchers of the TV show? Um, but you have all these different things that come into play to make whatever whatever the actual reality is. And what is reality? It's a point of view, right? You'll find that many things are true based on... From a certain point of view. Right. Exactly. And we got three references to other sci-fi in here. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm not really sure that this quote is really trying to say something really profound. Um, I think there is a little bit there to dig There's into. There's something to dig into. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there is. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, maybe it's the fact that we have gone through enough of these that I'm specifically trying to apply them to the episode. And so I see our characters and the, the reality of the situation playing out. And that's the connection that I make with this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I don't have to go much further into it and be satisfied with where we're at in this conversation, but you're right. There is more to dig in there if you mm-hmm. wanted to. Yeah. I, I think that quote, actually, it could be as simple as what we just said. It could be as complex as a being moving backward uh, through time and trance's whole deal with the alternate possibilities. Yeah. And you're right. Quantum streams. I mean, you're you know, right. yeah. who knows? We could go down all those. We could go down those rabbit holes again. All those, those quantum rabbit holes. If tentacles you to. of the quantum <laughs> strings. Um, but we're not going to. No. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up, Ethan. What do you think? Um, so the dark backward. What are your thoughts here? Okay. Final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um, here we have yet another monster of the week episode. That's what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. You should be bringing up monster of the week throughout this episode that we've here recorded. Ultimately, what it comes down to, in the show that we have, what we have on screen, the dialogue that is presented, and the pictures that are presented there for us to see, we don't know why Scourge is there. And we learn a lot about trance. Mm -hmm. Or a little more about trance. Still a little unclear as to exactly what it means she's doing or what she's up to, but, you know, it was interesting. Um... But we don't know why Scourge is there. So back-to-back episodes of Creature or Creatures showing up unannounced, unexplained, and then disappearing as inexplicably as they showed up. And I feel a little bit cheated. Now, if I apply what I have learned about the Spirit of the Abyss sending this creature and retrieving pieces of the Engine of Creation off of Andromeda... This becomes a totally different episode and way cooler than what we were what we actually got. But that's not what we got. The the writers yielded to what Tribune wanted. And man, they did us a huge disservice by allowing that to happen because this would have been so much better had it had those elements added to the plot line. Mm-hmm. But we didn't get that. So it's just a monster of the week. 
Uh, he shows up. It doesn't say anything. We don't know why he was there. There was some. There was the idea of a framework of a concept associated with Scourge, and it was cool to kind of play with it. But there's not enough there to hang your hat on and say, "Oh, this was really neat." There's the idea of something neat being there, but they didn't flesh it out. And being that this is a Zach Stentz and Ashley Edward Miller episode, I'm a little disappointed. I, I think we've had a great discussion about it. But ultimately, I didn't really care too much for this episode. There's some great ideas in there and cool stuff to talk about. But that's where the enjoyment of the episode comes from. I actually did. Here's what I felt like about the second time I watched it. I realized I was watching a reverse clip show <laughs> because they just could kept taking the same scenario and reversing it backwards and then playing it forwards and editing it, editing out certain uh, ad libs and, mm-hmm. you know, quips. And so I felt like I was watching a clip show in reverse time. Oh my gosh. Cool. <laughs> That's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. No, it's not. I didn't like this episode that much. Okay. All right. So um, I'm going to go ahead and go. Here's a, here's a few things that I didn't care for. And in fact, you know what? I'm just repeating what you said. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to just say my note. And then maybe in editing, you can go back and just replay what you said. Because it's how I feel too. All right. About these things. Um, so Monster of the Week. No reason for him being there that we know of. So replay what you said. Um, I don't know if you said this specifically, but ship in a bottle. Okay. So another ship in the bottle episode. Um, we really don't, we don't leave the ship, which is fine. Sometimes there's, yeah. Scourge left the ship. E- yeah. We got to see him exit. Yeah. So just, just saying. All right. Um, yeah, but. We don't leave the ship. We didn't even get on the Maru. <laughs> no, we didn't. Um, and then... What was it? Oh, yeah. Uh, other than, you know, Tears 2 henchmen that were following him around in a couple of scenes, and we don't we don't see anybody. And the guy in the slipstream, slipstream core that Tear chases out. Okay. There was that guy, too. Yeah. Um... So, not a lot going on there as far as set and cast. Um, Which, which again, that doesn't make it a bad episode. Um, But, you know, just when you you combine it with some of these other things, the monster of the week. um, And, you know, what you were talking about with as far as the stuff that was cut. I did not know about that until we were having this discussion here. I debated on whether or not to share that with you ahead of time or not, and I elected not to. Right. And I'm grateful that I did, because I got to see the expression on your face when I said it. Yeah. And what I said, I feel like you're about to repeat. Yeah. So just go ahead and play that back. And, I mean, because, yeah, that's exactly how I feel about it. I think that this could have made this episode so extremely important. And what have I always said about what makes an episode a good episode of Andromeda to me. If it feels important to the overall story. Right. So is this an episode that you can completely take out and it doesn't change anything? My answer is, you're shaking your head no. You're shaking your head yes. My answer is no. 
because of the things that we still learned about trance. You say, mm. you, you backtracked. You say, we learned a lot about trance. Well, we learned a little about trance. I think you're right on both counts. <laughs> we you. learned a lot about trance. But there's also, I think, probably so much to learn about trance that even when we learn a lot, we're just learning a little bit. Just a little piece. Yeah. Right. Okay. But I think that this episode, if you're watching through this for the very first time, we know there is something different. There is something special about trance. She always seems to know things that she just shouldn't know. Right? And now we kind of know why. This is kind of the first glimpse into yeah. why it is that she always seems to know things that no one else knows. Yeah. And there's no reason why she could know. Why did she pick That's the Star? Let's head to that one because that's the system where Dylan and uh, Rami are being held in a prison camp. Yeah. She's just good at guessing uh, things, what right? What was that one? Rose. Rose in the Ashes. Rose in the Ashes, yeah. Right? So, I mean, it just goes all the way back to season one. We've seen this time and time again where she just guesses things. No, she's not guessing these. She's experiencing them in one way or another. Yeah. Whether she, it's actual real experiences or if she's imagining it. Yeah. But imagining it with such, with such um, accuracy... That whatever it is that she imagines actually comes to be. Yeah. Can I say this? Okay. Can I backtrack yet again? You may. And say that... That's the theme of this episode. By, it, is, it is. You're right. Uh-huh. By revealing to you and to the audience mm-hmm. the little detail about Tribune putting the axe to Spirit of the Abyss and the Engine of Creation elements, I almost wish now I hadn't brought it up. Because you are absolutely right. If that information was not brought up at all for discussion, and we had no idea that that had happened, this would have been a great trance episode. Yeah. And because of what I know, it now colors my impression of the episode. And that's kind of sad that I let that get to me that way. Right. I just want to state that. That's fair. That's that's perfectly fair for you to feel that way. And honestly, knowing that information, it does hurt a little it takes a little bit away from this episode. But even from the beginning, I was coming down on this episode from the side of it's not a fantastic, terrific episode, but I do feel that it is important to the canon and to the overall story arc of the show with Trance in particular because of all the things that we learn about her and the nature of who or what she is. That being said, I am upset about Tribune deciding to take away all this stuff about the Abyss and the Engine of Creation. Had they allowed that stuff to go through? Best episode of the season. This seriously could have been one of the most important episodes of this, not just this season, but of this entire series. Yes. This could have been the Ouroboros yeah. If Ouroboros hadn't been Ouroboros. Everyone would have been saying Ouroboros was a turning point, right? Yeah. And, and yeah, definitely. That was a watershed. This could have been a watershed episode. You're not wrong. Hmm. So, all right. So, having said all that, what I'm going to say is there were a lot of things I didn't like about this episode. There were a lot of things that I did like about this episode. So... 
I, I can't say that this was a bad episode. I can say that it was not as good as an episode as it could have absolutely could have been. Okay. Yep. But that's that's me. I know how you feel. You know what I want to know now? What's that? I want to know how our listeners feel. Hey, Ethan, I have a question. Okay. If somebody wanted to get a hold of us and they wanted to let us know how they feel about what we've discussed in this episode or any other episode in the past or maybe even episodes in the future that we have not yet discussed, how might someone... Or have we discussed them and time hasn't allowed... No, we we didn't didn't do that. Ow, Okay. No, no, we're we're linear. Moving forward. Okay. Always. I'm with you. All right. How might someone get a hold of us, Ethan? They could do so by sending us an email to drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com. And hey, Ryan. Yes. I can fulfill, in part, your wish to know what the listeners are, are saying about the show. Really? Past shows that we've done. Okay. Because I have a couple of emails that I'd like to go over right quick. Okay. Um, first of all, I want to say thank you to Zachary for uh, for sending us an email. And he says, hey, Ryan, Ethan, glad to hear you guys are back. Uh, he had, and just to continue on paraphrasing, he had a couple of comments about Dylan DeEst. Uh, the first of which is he dusted off his uh, high school Latin and chastised me for pronouncing Carthago as Carthago. It's actually Carthago. The H is silent, which he was kind enough to uh Inform me yeah. about that. So hey, thank you very much for correcting me. You know what, uh, there, Zach, Zachary? I told him the same thing, but he edited that part out. Right. So I'm glad somebody <laughs> could talk some sense into him. Somebody in this room is a liar, and it's not me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, of course, you, uh, he, he goes on to make several points about the Commonwealth and um, the... the, the uh, what do we call them? Pocket pocket universe creatures. Yep. And uh, so, thank you very much for your thoughts there. Um, I I totally agree about the uh, predator ripoffs that he mentions in the email. But anyway, yeah. And you know what? When I read that email too, it made me feel pretty stupid. And I'm glad he didn't call me out. <laughs> Although he kind of did, but without doing it, you know, because because yeah. I I kept referring to alien. Instead of Predator. Right. The whole episode. Right. I kept talking about the yes. alien aliens, right? They were Predator aliens. Yeah. So. So he got a, he got a couple of jabs yeah. in there. Right. You know. My bad. It's all right. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Zach. Um, you're on my filter now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding. Um, David. Uh, he <laughs> Let us know that he'd listened to episode 54 for what felt like to him about the hundredth time. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, very much, uh, he expresses that he was afraid that the, the podcast was done. And he was so happy that uh, it is not. Uh, and just let us know that he enjoys listening uh, to the show and our opinions on the show. And uh, so that is from our Alaskan Nietzschean friend, David. So thank you very much, David, for that email. I certainly appreciate that. And last but not least, um, Ray, you know what you did. And we thank you. Yes, we thank you very much. Your support, continued support of this show is uh, one of the reasons why uh, we're recording now and uh, have plans to continue doing so for as long as we possibly can. Thank you very much for that. That kind of stuff really does make us feel guilty to get into the studio again, doesn't it? It motivates, though, too. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. thank you. Yep. Again. Uh, That's all I've got for uh, contributions from our listeners. I mean, guilt can be motivating. (laughs) 
We're also on the social media, Facebook and Twitter, at Andromeda Pod on both of those places. Our home is on Podbean, www. You'd really have to say www. anymore. No. No one really says that. No, just, just go dry, uh Yeah. I mean, I guess... Andromeda Series. Andromeda Series. Podbean.com. That's our home on the web. You can find every episode of Andromeda... No, of Drive Back the Night. And if you should feel so inclined, we also have available a link there to a tip jar if you would like to help support the show. And if you listen to us on iTunes, uh, if you've got a moment, give us some stars, even a review if you have the time. We'd certainly appreciate it, and it does help the show out, so thank you. Good thanks to our big friend Doug Anderson for lending us his voice again for this week's episode on the uh, beginning quote. Uh, We are an Age of Geek production. Uh, check them out, ageofgeek.podbean.com. A lot of good discussions about all kinds of things that are in the geek culture. Uh, and we hope that you will join us back here again next time as we enjoy discussing the episode, The Risk All Point. Point.